There's something wrong with your Skype. There's something wrong with I think it was your voice. How did that happen? You um you it sounded like someone was uh cutting a cutting a record over over your I think that maybe that's not the right thing. Scratching a record? Cutting a record means like what they did with what Elvis used to do. Is that like cutting the cheese? It is like cutting the cheese. It's it's something it's something like that. It's like uh cut um it's like the culture club. Should we just no. start over? No, this is how could we start over? This is what we do. What is there to start over, Don? Hello? Oh, that's very uh, that's very zen, Ben. <laughs> it is. You know what's zen? I have two um two message windows open in my email. Now I only have one. Also, <laughs> that's I, zen? It well, it's it's zen, it's zen in the sense of um uh Bush Bush X's everything zen. Do you remember that song? No. It's I've now another one's popped open. What is going on with my oh, email? Oh, Ben, you you're probably looking at porn. <laughs> Must have, on my email. Someone, <laughs> yes. You know what it was it was food safety porn. That's the only that's all I know. Um you don't know everything Zen. It you need to uh wiki this. It, it's not a great song. It is uh uh, from let's see what the every, not everything Lubbock, which is what was coming up in my uh, uh, Safari window. Everything Zen, uh, Bush, Bush Bush X as as I think they're only known as Bush X in Canada because there was some other band from you know the 1970s called Bush. Right. Um, yeah, it's uh, from 1995. There's Gavin Rosdale, the the guy who was uh, he was married to Gwen Stefani, but he's not now. Huh? You know about you know about Gwen Stefani? I've heard of Gwen Stefani. This is this is the part that Jack Isaiah loves about because <laughs> where we we say a bunch of words that don't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, and he's he's just googling googling the crap out of what the stuff we're talking about and looking to download on uh, on his iTunes all those songs that we mentioned. <laughs> it's from Sixteen Stone. Um, I see that. And uh, it's really good. It's well. It's, I let, let me go back. It's not really good. It's a it's a good song from my from my youth. Ah, I was uh, I, w- I was seventeen, and they were huh. they were the biggest band in the world. Like the seventeen. Weekend. That's a song from my youth. <laughs> that is a song from your youth. Sixteen candles. <laughs> that's a movie from my youth. Um, <laughs> can I can I tell you that I had two Apple products catastrophes this uh this holiday break oh my gosh yep that's ah. uh that's that's bad that doesn't usually happen with apple products they never break oh use user <laughs> user issues no oh. not product uh, oh okay. little, yeah um so i was at a i was at a holiday a holiday get together a gathering a party mm-hmm. uh with uh with some of our friends and um i it was uh getting getting on in, in the evening um and uh, I went to the restroom, mm-hmm. as you do, mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as it happens when you uh, when you have some alcoholic beverages. At this point, on a Friday night at eleven thirty ish, I decided it was a good time for me to check my email. Oh, and you dropped your phone in the toilet. I did. Oh my gosh! And that's guess what? Does it still work? It did work immediately. Okay. Well, that's not that. That usually it works immediately. The the question is, does it keep working long term? Now, no. what I've been told, what you should do is put it in rice. <laughs> right. And I didn't. I what I did is I put it into on top of a bunch of sushi. 
instead. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Um, <laughs> there, was, there was no rice. In fact, I was somewhat embarrassed about this because, you know, my wife, who you've, who you've met on, uh, on a few occasions, chastises me for lots of things. Dropping my, my phone in the toilet would have – it was one that – I thought, well, I would never hear the end of. Mm-hmm. And so I, I decided I, you know, I, I patted it off. Everything worked. It never lost charge. Like I, I thought that there would be a, um, like an explosion when I dropped it in the toilet, you know, mm-hmm. like it would short out and there would mm-hmm. be this big blue mm-hmm. explosion. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then I, but none of that happened. So I was like, okay, everything's good. Uh, dried it off, um, put it back in my pocket. Um, and, and it was fine except for the volume buttons on the, on, on the left hand side. Uh, and huh. then uh, the next day, uh, only half of the screen worked. Mm-hmm. And then um, the day after that, um, it was freezing. And I and then I went to the to the Apple Store, and they said, "Hey, you should put that in some rice." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did that for like four days, mm-hmm. and all of the same problems happened. So, yep. Yep. and I have a new phone. Mm. Um, I have I have insurance uh, for my phone, and mm-hmm. I never toilet passed. dropping insurance. It, it turns out it is uh, with a two hundred dollar well one ninety nine deductible. Okay, but my phone but my phone works now. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. Well, so what what model do you, did you have did slash do you have? Uh, success, success. Yeah. So I'm in top of the line, uh, not toilet proof. Yeah. Well, you know, and I've heard that, that they have made the six S more like toilet resistant, <laughs> but not, yes. but yeah. not toilet proof. Um, it was surprisingly like, like, I, I wish I had my phone to take a picture of my phone mm. in the toilet. Yeah. It was at the bottom of the toilet. Cause that was pretty funny. funny it would be funny. <laughs> it would be funny. Um, you need a backup was, phone. Yeah. It, so here's the food safety aspect of it. Yeah. There's a connection. <laughs> so I I don't know. And I've been really good about this in the last two weeks since I dropped my phone in the toilet, not checking mm. my email mm-hmm. while I'm urinating. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, who, I, it's probably a time that I don't need to. Okay? Prob- I mean, it, you know, it's good that you are so conscientious an emailer, but <laughs> probably you could – well, yeah, I could think of two solutions. Number one, you could pee sitting down, which would reduce the risk, okay? Um, thinking about it. Thinking about it yep. now. Uh, um, or you could uh, just um, – yeah, not, not, uh, not, uh, not, not check your email while you're uh, urinating. I've I've thought multiple times now as I go to urinate, should I check my email or not? Actually, let me let me step back. I don't even think that. What I do is I reach into my pocket, start to pull up my phone, and go, ah, oh, don't be an idiot. Why? Just wait, just wait. Because last time you threw your phone in the toilet. Well, and what? So what I do is I say this is a bad idea. You shouldn't be doing this. And then I hold my phone a little tighter and I move it slightly away from, you know, the center line. I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> so that's what you call risk management, Ben. That is. And that's not scientific. It's, no, it's, it's not. Decision it's, it's a decision. Making. <laughs> right. I, I, look, this is great. So, yes, I've, I've thought about that a little bit. Um, I've just decided uh, abstinence is, mm-hmm. is the best solution it it, is. for me right it now. Is. Well, you know, precautionary principle. I can't be trusted, Don. No, well, no, and no, you can't. Um, but that's. I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad you had insurance. Uh, I'm glad you have a working phone, and I'm glad that you sort of learned a lesson. I did. I learned a lesson. Um, so, so here's the second part of my food safety connection. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. So, just I, I don't. I don't typically hide things from Danny. But again, she. I, I would not have heard the end of this. So uh, after. Oh, went, so you didn't tell her? Well, I'll just wait. Okay. I did eventually. Oh, okay. Um, 
I told her initially that I dropped the phone mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, oh, well, did it crack? And I was like, no, no, I'm, it's, it, it's, it's fine. I don't no, know. It kind I, of was cushioned a little bit. <laughs> it was cushioned by it splashing in a toilet bowl. Um, and, and then so fine. I love, I love that you're shading the truth like this. Yeah. Yeah. I know it was awful. This is like the, this is what I was doing. Um, so, and really just out of a, a fear for not, for for me not hearing about how much of an idiot I am, mm-hmm. which is true, I'm, I'm I'm hearing that in my my own head. Mm-hmm. Um, You're hearing so, her, her voice in your head about yeah. what an idiot you are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so then so then I go, um, you know, and and do my uh, you know go to the Apple Store and they're like put it in some rice. So I happen to I'm also you know I'm the primary shopper, a grocery shopper and primary. Um, uh, meal preparer in our ah, family. So, so you could you could surreptitiously buy rice. I did, <laughs> <laughs> and put it in a in a bowl on the counter for a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see your problem. And then, I, and then Danny's like, "Why is there rice?" And I was like, "Oh." Uh, and then I had to come clean. So yeah. I didn't have a whole lot. Like I, I didn't really like. I didn't want to shadily put a bowl of rice with my phone in it, like in my closet mm-hmm. or and try to hide it anymore. I just, I, we had these new Ziploc dishes. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to leave it out on the counter and she was in the kitchen where she does a lot of her sign painting. Mm. I was like, what is going on here? And I was like, um, so I dropped my, I told you I dropped my phone. What I didn't tell you is I dropped it in the toilet. And then she asked the, you know, the punchline question of, was there urine in the toilet? And I said, yeah, well, of course, because that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then she but said... But it was your own urine. So it was. For it what was. it's worth. And then she said, so so we can't use that rice, I guess. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes. <laughs> good good job, Danny. Yes. Well done. It was good. Smart was lady. Good. Yeah. So so that was that was app that was my, my Apple mishap number number one. Number two is I have a I've got an, a, a fourth generation iPad. My my primary large iPad, not not a mini, mm-hmm. um, that that I use when that's I that's the iPad Air two. It's not an iPad oh, Air okay. two. It is a prior to the Air. It is oh okay it's oh fourth gen. For, oh sorry, I, I I didn't realize that you were actually I'm giving a, the name of an actual Apple product. I was I was, um, which for a while. Um, Sam, one of my children, would use it sometimes, and then he dropped it. Uh, and there's no case around it because because mm-hmm. I don't. Also, my phone is also naked. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like the cases. I like the way that the Apple made it to to be. Um, and so I, he dropped it on the floor, and then it put a hole in it, like broke the oh the glass screen. So oh, not man. just a crack, but it like you could see inside the the inner workings and all the hobbits mm. that. And they they all fell out um, inside my iPad, and I'm sure you didn't know that it was just hobbits in there. I I pretty I'd heard that it was. <laughs> it was I'd heard from a reliable a reliable source down under, as they say, Syracuse. Syracuse. <laughs> he mentions all the the hobbits in there. Um, so uh, so so here's the here's the problem. Um, I took it to one of these. Um, you know, you broke your your screen, and it's a Retina display one, right? Took it to one of those. You broke your screen places, and we'll we'll fix it in a in a day. And and it's a cheap it's a cheap fix. It's like in a in a strip mall near near the near the Harris Teeter uh, near the the grocery store. And um, I've been back to it uh, twice since because they because the screen they can't seem to um, glue it down properly and apply the adhesive. So now I have this like this wonky screen that I was watching it you know watching some Netflix on it the other day, and all of a sudden. 
it like went through 15 different menus in about 10 seconds because cause the screen is like pulling away from um, from the uh, whatever LED retina display panel. Um, but the other thing, I don't know, have you broken a screen and had it replaced before? Is this, has this happened to you? I have not ever broken a screen. Um, Kristen had a broken screen, and but we didn't try to get it replaced. So I would... So I, I cheaped out, I think. I went to this place and I was like, well, my kid broke it. So I didn't go through the Apple replacement. And it is – there are lines on it. Like you can you can see a grid when it's up against the light. I don't know. I can't explain it to you. I'll show it to you when I see it in person. Anyway, I'm not happy with it. You should take a picture of it with your with your iPhone 6S. I, I, let me, wait. I will. Let me just put it in the toilet first. Okay. Hey, so by the way, if I do a Google search, uh, you know that thing where the Google fills in the rest of your search. If I if I type into the search bar, is phone 6s or is iPhone 6s uh, uh, the 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 first thing that pops up worth it? <laughs> Second one, is it waterproof? <laughs> no, the answer would be no. No, it's not. It's water. It's water resistant. Resistant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't put it in the toilet and don't use the rice. Well. Well, so the, so it just interest. just to go back and close the loop on the rice thing, I think from what I understand about this, um, the what you should do if this ever happens to you is do not power the phone back on to see if it works. Leave it off. So and, what if you? Here's the question: uh, mm-hmm. though. It was on. Well, then and turn it off. Stayed on. Okay, then, then turn then it turn, off. immediately turn it off, That's and right. then immediately put it in rice, and then leave it there. Um, forever, because basically it doesn't work anymore. No, right. I mean, leave it there for as long as you can stand it, right? Um, because what, what causes it to fry is using it with water in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, or, so or urine. The, or urine, yeah, which is mostly water. Um, but, um, but, but, the, but the solution is to try to get the water out before the electronics are engaged. And I suppose, I suppose you could be like, I guess it would be a trade-off there. You would want to put it into airplane mode and, you know, because obviously the radio is still active. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, bottom, bottom line is don't, don't drop your phone in the toilet. Don't put it in the toilet. Don't, put don't, let, your, don't let your kids play with your iPads if you, unless you want them to be broken it's true and i'm yeah and and it, so it was those two things were and there is nothing doug and i have exchanged emails about this and i've never really talked to you about it but is there anything more frustrating than the tools that you use all the time every day either being slow or not working the way you want them to oh, like is there it, it is maddening right like you you my, my my ipad it had like there's a hole in the side of it and it was just where i wanted to put my thumb and that was like it drove me crazy. Like this is, I know, um, first world problems. My iPad has a hole in it where my thumb is, but I couldn't get past it. Like I just, I just needed to to get you know, I like I, I don't know. It was it blew up in my mind. It's like when my email doesn't work or my my computer is slower than I want it to be, or I can't connect to the internet. Whatever it is, there is nothing that I that I fixate on more mm-hmm. than 
then it, uh, it should be working. It doesn't work, and I don't know why. Well, and and what I find, it makes a big difference if you know why. Like we had a mishap here um, over the holidays where we blew a circuit on the second floor, but in the process of blowing that circuit, we actually sent a pulse, uh, electric pulse, I think, down the coax, and basically we have, we have Fios. Uh, so we have TV, um, Internet, and uh, telephone all on one connection, and we basically just fried the whole thing. So we had no no uh, landline, no cable TV, uh, you know, and, and, and no internet. Um, and there was nothing we could do until the Verizon tech came out to, I mean, I, I called Verizon. They had me reboot various things. It didn't fix the problem. So then it was like, okay, schedule a person to come out and fix the, the thing. And then, so it's like, okay, well, we're just limping along on cellular connections for anything that we need to do, but there's really nothing you can do and and that's in that in a way that's a bigger relief than oh it's not quite working or i can't figure out why it's working so i'm just going to spend i'm going to spend like 2 hours trying to figure out what's wrong with this thing instead of spending like the 15 minute workaround that would let me actually get on with doing my work right like i yeah. i'm i'm concerned with figuring out why i can't do my work instead of figuring out how i just need to get my work done despite this my relatively minor annoyance right 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 and, and- but, but I don't know. It's a mind block, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It, it's you get sucked into that. Like I'm just going to fix this thing, you know. And then, but then as I tell people, that's that's why I'm good at computers, right? Because I've I've, I've done that so many times that it's like, oh yeah, I know how to fix that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I've I've fixated on it a few times. Yes. So I better, once or twice. So I better figure it out. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, what a what a mess. Well, so that was yeah, that was my that, that's other than that. Um, uh, I I spent a bunch of time uh, over the holidays uh, doing hockey related things. I've never been tagged on Facebook more than I have in the last twenty four hours Oops. because of hockey. Because of hockey. Because huh. we because I took um, uh, with a with a couple of uh, coaching and hockey friends. Uh, we took our children to a hockey tournament in the D.C. area, and this is a, a team of seven and eight year olds. Um, and for most of them, they had never uh, traveled outside of the. You know, Raleigh um, to to go to a tournament. You know, some of them had played some games against other centers, but this was uh, four games uh, in in three days and against you know teams that we had you know never seen before. And and so it was it was a lot of fun. I've now got a got my son a taste of um, you know staying in hotels and eating arena food, uh, which is pretty much my, my well at least eating arena food was what my youth was all about. Um, but it was, it was cool. And so it was, well, I really, it was, it was like a vacation. It was the first vacation that we have taken that was purely related around, um, uh, my seven-year-old's, uh, uh social life, which, <laughs> which is well, weird. And that it was fun. No. And that, and that's good. And I, I have friends that, uh, well, friends when my kids are growing up and now friends that have younger kids that are very much into like travel sports. Um, and like a, a good friend of mine from work, um, her, their daughter's really into travel soccer, but oh my God, it, it's, it is all encompassing. Right. And that's, that's what I, I worry. I never, I mean, we, it was sort of like that way with us, with, with our kids growing up with scouting, like we would mm. go on campouts and stuff, but it, it never, it just seems like this. And, you know, my kids for whatever reason, you know, were you now the thing that they did was, was scouting and not, and not sports, but oh my God, it just seems to be, I get exhausted just hearing about it. <laughs> 
you know, and and I so I, I worry, I I fear for you, Ben. I worry, I worry that you're that you've taken. And speaking of things, uh, speaking of things that we did over the holidays, um, I worry that you've taken a step down a, a dark path. <laughs> I I likely have. I likely have taken a step down the dark path. It was. Um, it, it, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun though. It was mm-hmm. oh um, yeah yeah. It always seems fun at first, man. That's right. That's true. But it, it just that's like, how they get you. Just, just like heroin, right? Like, <laughs> I wouldn't know, man. We shouldn't judge well, that drug. Just from what I what I gather from the uh, from the wire, mm-hmm. it seems like it, yeah. There's a, it spiraled into a, a bubbles type character as mm-hmm. it relates to children's hockey that, that could be a problem. Oh, and speaking um, speaking of the wire, I I recently I had I almost made it through the third pass, uh, and then I got stalled out in season five. But uh, I had uh, uh, Kristen had to go to bed early because she had to get up early and go do a. a uh, SPCA volunteer thing super super early, which which she was not happy about, but but that meant that I was staying up uh, late and and basically had uh, television like free television watching time okay. without without traveling, and so I finished up uh, 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 season five episode eight of The Wire for the for the third time, and couple a couple of important things. One one thing you know that happens in that episode is a probably my favorite character in The Wire uh, meets his end. Um, no spoilers, oh. no spoilers on oh, the TV I was, show. I, like, that- I almost yelled it out. <laughs> I, almost, I almost yelled it out there. Well, I, well, come on. It's like, Don, it's like eight years old. We can spoil it. Okay. Well, so oh. if, all right, if, if, so here's the thing. If you, if you have not watched the wire and you plan on watching the wire, pause the podcast right now, go out and get all five seasons and watch yeah, yeah. and watch them through the end of season th- five, episode eight. Um, and then come back and unpause the podcast. Okay. We'll wait for a few minutes. Okay. Now um, you're back. Um, Omar dies. Omar, the best. Oh. Greatest, and, greatest it, and it's what a, And what a great way for him to go out, right? Oh, like he doesn't go out in a gun battle. He doesn't go out, you know, with getting really killed by anyone except for this little kid who we see earlier in the episode is basically trying to light a cat on fire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. He, that so um that actor was in something else that I watched hmm. recently. What was he in? Let me go through his little thing. Oh um wasn't he in Oh no. Uh Boardwalk Empire. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So I watched a couple episodes of that. I haven't watched the full thing, but he's uh he's really good in mm-hmm. that. Um, hey, speaking of uh, people that were in The Wire and shows mm-hmm. that they're in, mm-hmm. um, I, don't, I know that I don't think you've watched this show, but I've mentioned it before, The, the Affair. Mm, um, no, have not watched it. You got you got to see the show. It's good. It's like it's kind of skin crawlingly good in a way, like watching The Office. Um, but um, uh, uh, gosh, how is this even possible? Um, the guy, the guy, our favorite guy from from The Wire is uh, he's he's a British actor. And he doesn't. He talks with a really good Boston accent. And he's oh, McNulty! Like, McNulty! How did I not like? Uh, boom. Um, anyway, he plays this guy Noah Soloway, who's a high school teacher who turns into a best-selling author uh, kind of guy. It's a great. It's a really good show, and you should you should check it out. It's and um, also in that in the show the the affair the uh, police chief who is in the wire who. I can't remember what his name is. Is also uh, um, the new McNulty's uh, father-in-law. Oh, okay. Anyway, cool. go check it. The, the, uh, oh, okay. So, last thing of 
things that we're watching that aren't food safety related? Mm, I have, no, 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 no. Penultimate. For, I have one. Me. Okay, good. Have you been watching? <laughs> have you seen um, Making of a Murderer? No. Okay. I don't think that um, Making a Murderer, it's called. I don't think Kristen will like it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, we're not watching it. Right. But you should maybe watch it. It <laughs> is a Netflix. Um, it came out over the holidays, December 18th. Uh, it is a 10-episode um, documentary uh, in the style of Serial. Serial, yeah, yeah. Which I didn't haven't listened to. Mm-hmm. But about uh, this, uh, this guy, Stephen Avery, who is uh, um, in prison for sexual assault and then mm-hmm. attempted murder. And then he was then charged with murder. And it's 10 episodes. It's like this real, like real-life court case. It's like Nancy Grace, mm-hmm. which is, I used to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's really good. And I'm not selling it well enough here. It's, it's, it's a hard-to-walk-away-from walk mm. um, set of episodes. Like The Jinx. Did you watch The Jinx? No. Jinx was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so check these things out. Okay. Um, now, the thing that we uh, are watching, well, a couple, couple things uh, that we are watching is um, Jessica Jones. Have oh, you- yeah. No, but it's on my, I've added it to my list. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's incredibly dark. Um, it is nominally about a superhero, uh, but it's 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 very uh, yeah, it's very gritty. It's very dark, and I mean, it's just, yeah, it's sort of it sort of gets into Marvel universe superhero dumb, but but not really. Anyway, it's uh, yeah, the the uh, IMDb um, tagline is a former superhero decides to reboot her life by becoming a private investigator, and it's a and she's a mess, and uh, her life is a mess, and it's it's very good, and it has David Tennant, who you know you, we most people would know as Doctor Who, uh, playing an incredibly incredibly dark and evil uh, character. So, um, and then the other one that we've been watching um, is Murder in Paradise. No, I don't know that one. Uh, and this is a uh, it is we we started we started watching it um, and, and because it's kind of has it's British and it's a murder mystery so like right away it's yeah, right, right. right in our wheelhouse right um, but season one and season two were were not that great or at least season one was not that great and we only made it a couple of episodes in um, because um, is that, am I got it right murder in paradise, is it death, um, in paradise? Yes. death in paradise yes death not murder in paradise murder in paradise is something different um, <laughs> don't, don't watch that. I don't know what that is but it doesn't yeah. look any good um, yeah death in paradise um, yeah so uh, and season season uh, one and season two we didn't like too much because we didn't like the character who was cast as the in, inspector um, but starting in uh, season three, um, the uh, the the again spoiler alert if you haven't watched it um, the, the 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 British guy who goes to this Caribbean island uh, this fictitious fictitious Caribbean island um, is murdered in the first episode and uh, the guy that comes in to uh, replace him uh, I oh geez and this is. Uh, terrible. We should know the name of the actor uh, because he's so good. Uh, Chris Marshall comes in as the uh, replacement uh, DI from from England, and he's he's great. He's in uh, Love Actually, which we just rewatched, oh, yeah. annual rewatching. Uh, he's in Death at a Funeral, uh, My Family, um, bunch of stuff. Very very you know gifted 
British uh, comedic comedic actor. So we we really we really do like him and like a lot of the the stuff that he's he's been in. So um, anyway, so so that is definitely uh, death, called Death in Paradise. Worth checking out if you like uh, uh, Caribbean accents and um, British murder mystery. I love both. I love both of those things. Yeah. I love, yeah. Um, I uh, yeah. That's that's good. Thanks. Uh, Thanks for for those. Um, did you uh, did you go see Star Wars twice? Me too. Man, it was good. Yep, it was very good. It was really, no no spoiler alerts on this, but yeah, because um, you know six months from now everyone will know what happened when we post this. But, <laughs> uh, oh, speaking of which, <coughs> excuse me, I got a very funny uh, email from Dan Benjamin, which I have to read to you. Oh, excellent, good, good, good. Um, so Star Wars is awesome. My kids uh, loved it. Wanted me to go back almost immediately, so we did three days later, and and it was still it was still good. I'll I'll tell you the. Uh, no, no spoilers. But the last scene before they run the title, you know, closing credits mm-hmm, song, mm-hmm. But, like, was amazing. Like, it was the second time I watched it. The entire movie was me just waiting for that to happen again. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just loved it. I just <clears throat> like just the. I don't know. There was like, I it, it, that was. I, I don't know if that's what the with with the goal, but it was all the build up. I knew it was coming, and I was hmm. like, here. Here we are. We're 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 in the on this on this thing, and there's that guy there, and and here's this other person who's there with them, and then it's like they look at each other. <laughs> how was how was that? Was that good? That was good. I don't think you spoiled anything. I don't think so. There's there's some stuff there, uh, but really, oh, just just an awesome. I liked it, and I'm um, now I'm all pumped about the. Um, the, hey, is that is that Brett Michaels? <laughs> no, 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 it's not Gibbs. Brett Michaels. That's uh, he's a singer. Uh, this is Gibbs, uh, oh, Gibbs making that noise. <laughs> um, the, uh, I'm really excited for the standalone Han Solo uh, movie that's going to come out next year. Do you know? Yeah, no. You know about this? Yeah, so so the, so Disney's got like the trilogy movies, and then they've got standalone movies that are not related to the to the story arc about um, young young Han Solo. Huh. Cool. Wow. I had heard that. I had heard that there were uh, like there's the story arc with the next three movies, but then I and I'd also heard that there were standalone movies, but I hadn't heard like any the what any of them were featuring. So yeah. So the the first one that comes out, um, they're they're calling them spinoff films, um, but it, it comes out in like 2016. Um, so next next Christmas we'll get another uh, one of these, and it's uh, and they they haven't, but um, the three that. The, the rumors, I mean, the first one is going to be about Han Solo, but another one is potentially about Boba Fett and then another one about Yoda. Oh, I think I had heard that one was going to be about Boba Fett. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, and Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote um, episode seven, is doing the uh, Han Solo one. Mm. And he's out. And he also wrote, I think, Return of the Jedi, maybe. Hmm. You know, anyway, that's, that's, enough, that's enough nerd talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what uh, should we talk? Oh, hey, so you got an email from Dan Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. So um, so I emailed um, and I, I copied you on this. So this was feedback to the episode of uh, um, uh, Anatko Almanac on uh, uh, entitled One Good Knife, uh, where, where Andy yes. Anatko, uh, who is the, you know, the featured uh, person on Anatko Almanac, uh, imagine that, um, and Dan talk about sous vide cooking. And uh, I emailed Dan to say um, – 
you know, that, that it was a great episode, but that, um, you know, Andy mostly got things right, but he got a few little details wrong. And the message back from, from Dan is, he says, I'm curious, since it will probably be several weeks before you do the episode with Andy, and several weeks or months after that before it's released, <laughs> what do I need to know so that I don't kill myself and my family with improperly cooked salmon? And, you know, and I've been pontificating as to how to write this message back to Dan. Um, because And he is, you know, very passive aggressively calling us out on our slackerdom uh in posting episodes so uh there you go hey do we keep them uh so what i'm what i'm doing is i'm not responding to his email yeah yeah and he'll he'll hear this on the podcast when he listens to it in six months yes. he'll know he'll know eventually okay eventually ah that's good that's good well yeah so so we put the the jerky po- uh podcast up with uh, with dan Benjamin. And um, got a lot of a lot of good feedback. People liked it. Yeah, it was a good episode. Yeah, and um, I heard on my way to my office today to record this podcast that there is a jerky outlet that exists. Oh like my a, gosh! Yeah, like it's a, it's a store, and it's near the maybe not surprisingly near the Cabela's. Uh, that seems fitting. Yeah. And they advertised uh, 200 different types of uh, jerky. Jerky. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm not been there. Uh, the beef jerky outlet. There it is. Hmm. And um, I'm going to check it out. They, got, they, they have um, different types of beef jerky. They've got turkey jerky. They have – they got a lot of stuff, they said. So I'm going to – yeah. So there's this called the Jerky Outlet? Yeah, jerkyoutlet.com. I'm looking hmm. at one here. Um yeah, they've got uh game jerky. Oh, this little they have pita sheet shirts. I'm sure that's not Yeah. Oh, those are kind of what I thought they would say on them. <laughs> not it's just maybe not surprising, not in support of pita. Okay. Uh they have something called slap your mama. Uh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's a it's a etouffee sauce. Oh, okay. And they got the uh, they got the salmon jerky. That sounds not so good to me. Anyway, jerky outlet, beef jerky outlet. I'm gonna check. Wait, it out. so it's jerkyoutlet.com or beefjerkyoutlet.com? Uh, beefjerkyoutlet.com. And then it's I had to go. Click on. It's not a very intuitive website. No, no. Maybe click, don't don't get a, a franchise. Yeah, I was gonna say it's half of it is find a store and half of it is start a franchise. Yeah, they're in. Uh, they're just getting off the ground, I guess. <laughs> and so I had to go to the actual one that is here um, in North Carolina, which is in Garner, six point six miles away from my current location. They got a lot of stuff, uh, turkey jerky, bacon and ham jerky, sausage, salmon jerky. There's a lot of jerky at this place. Okay. So anyway, that's uh, the one The one about beef jerky. All right. CarolinaBeefJerkyOutlet.com is the, uh, the, the, the one that takes you to the one that's near your house. That's the one. All right. Look at that. Wow. I worry, Ben, that they're not uh, being safe. Well, that's uh, – um, who knows? Let's figure it out. Let's find out. How, how are we going to do that? Know. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we, could just, we can barely post podcast episodes. True, true. We're going to do some jerky. We've got to talk about jerky stuff. Because it sounded like from uh, one of our listeners, uh, Tom, Tom Jones, 
who we know from uh, such hits as uh, it, uh, it's unbelievable. No, what is what does Tom Jones sing? <laughs> the Welsh singer. Is that the yes, the Welsh singer, Tom Welsh Jones. Singer, Tom, Tom Jones. Jones. Com. Tom Jones. It, uh, it's incredible. What's the song? It's not unusual. Not unusual. <laughs> oh, I'm awful today. She's a lady, Delilah, green, green grass at home. There you go. Now, 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 you're, now you're on the internet. <laughs> now I'm on straight to the Wikipedia page. I remember all this stuff. Anyway, Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones, the other Tom Jones, uh, really wants to try some of the jerky, he said. Whatever, whatever Dan, Dan Benjamin's tested jerky. Well, Dan never did actually give us an actual rep- episode to uh, to to a test a repisode a repetested re- re- episode. Re- <laughs> oh, this is devolved. I'm only four shots of espresso in. Oh. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk food safety stuff. I got two things for us on our on my list. You know, he's Sir Tom Jones. He's OBE. OBE, and that's a horrible picture of him on his Wikipedia page. It is he's very? He looks like he's having a heart attack or something. He's intense. He's intense. OBE, not to be confused with uh, old dirty bastard. <laughs> ODB, which is a completely different thing. Yeah, ODB is a different. It's a different guy um, than the RZA. Uh, you may know them from the Wu Tang Clan. I may. <laughs> um, we we could just we could just riff on each other all day, Don. We could, but but then but then Jack his H would stop listening. Oh, he's already stopped. <laughs> Maybe he's just fast forwarded, or he's or he's fallen asleep. And he'll wake up <laughs> at this point, and he'll be like, "What? They're still talking about the the, the, the hip hop." Um. So hey, there's a couple things going on. Sure. In the world of food safety. Now we've we have talked about Chipotle. Um. I would not say ad nauseum because I actually don't know. I think that means like it's Latin for a lot. Uh huh. So I wouldn't. I won't. I won't use that term. Um, uh, to we've not beaten the dead Chipotle horse, but um, since our last uh, chat, they've had some more. They've had some more stuff, and I guess the biggest notable thing that we haven't talked about is um, CDC. Uh, right before Christmas, um, said that there are actually two O two six clusters uh, uh, that are linked to to Chipotle. And different I'll, different clusters, right? Different, I mean, di- different organism. Different, yeah, different, um, uh, different organism, different um, PFGE marking markers. I imagine mm-hmm. you know it's always it, we never know exactly what that means. What they say, right? Right. Um, but I, I assume it's not uh, whole genome sequenced O two six, whatever, what, whatever it is. But it's two different clusters, one more recent than the other, both linked to Chipotle. What's going on, Don? Well, you know, since this is nominally our New Year's episode where, you know, we either reflect on the past year or look forward to the future year, I was thinking I have a question for you. I want want you to make a prediction. Oh, okay. Okay? Okay. Um, In the coming year... um, Will will my dog continue to disrupt the podcast? No. In (laughs) the coming year, um, will Chipotle have zero outbreaks? Zero new outbreaks or more than zero new outbreaks? Or if you're feeling particularly adventurous, how many outbreaks will Chipotle have in 2016? Wow. Um, the, so, so, Don, the, the odds, in, if I was a, a, a betting man, mm-hmm. I would say my guess would be that Chipotle has zero new outbreaks. Really? I would. Huh. 
I, I mean, and, and here's here's why I say that, and it's, and you're the you're the probability guy, right? <laughs> uh, me? <laughs> so, um, so I would say that they have zero new outbreaks because okay. there's lots and lots of food that gets eaten every day that does, isn't linked to an outbreak, mm-hmm. and even with the heightened security on on Chipotle, not not security, heightened scrutiny on Chipotle. Th- yeah, there. I, I I still think these events are. Uh, they don't happen all the time. They're they're unique. So if I had a, you know, if I was setting um, an over under at two outbreaks, mm-hmm, we we're mm-hmm. going to do it. I would I would take the under. Mm-hmm. If we were setting it at one, I would take I take the under because I think it's a it's a strong bet that that someone would go through. You know, we've got lots and lots of meals that that don't cause that don't cause outbreaks. Now, that being said, there's something there, right? Like six right. six outbreaks. I mean. It, but not every one of their meals, because people have been eating at Chipotle at the eighteen hundred Chipotles since, you know, since all of these outbreaks have happened. We haven't right. seen anything, anything else happen. So I guess that's where where I would just take the you know, the the, the under. Okay. But but they are people are looking at Chipotle much closer right. than they are, you know, um, Moe's. Southwest Grill, right, right, and and it's sort of like it's sort of like implicated foods. It's like we wouldn't look at almonds and salmonella until we had an outbreak, and now, boy, that's on every epidemiologist checklist, right? And so I've got to think that the odds of Chipotle escaping another outbreak undetected are very, very low. Very, but but I guess my question is: Are they are they really? Have they really? Are they really doing enough? And well, we promise we don't know what they're doing, right? Which we've right. talked about before. Um, but that's interesting that you would say that because I guess I would say the opposite. I would say um, more than zero outbreaks in the coming year, just because I don't think they're going to get their ducks in a row. And I'm not. I'm not completely sure. They've bought into this whole food safety thing. I think it's they're still they're still trying to manage it as a public relations situation and, and you know managing the message rather than and maybe they are doing some things right, but um, I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm thinking that the the odds are that they're gonna we're gonna see at least one uh, outbreak in this next year. Well, and so don't don't I guess get me wrong on this. I don't think that they. I agree with with what you're saying that I don't. We don't know exactly what they're going to do, and I've been, you know, we've both been kind of vocal about not knowing what it means that they're going to move food safety forward fifteen to twenty years. As as a, you know, their um, CEO was quoted as saying, "We talked about that in the last podcast," um, and I, and we don't know what it means on what they're going to do for suppliers and what they're going to do internally and externally. We don't know that, but I, the reason why I, why I make that decision is that up until two thousand and 15, they had served with a what seems like probably not a very good food safety system based on what we what we know they'd served millions and millions of meals and not had outbreaks identified right right so, so they you know the, the odds are still I think when it comes to any any of the, the food service any of the food industry the odds are pretty good that, that people aren't going to get caught and have outbreaks. When they do, it's it's a big big deal. Some you know multiple things have um, have have gone wrong. Um, but I, I guess that's that that's where where why I answer the the way that I did. I don't I don't think that they've. I agree with you. I don't think that they have 
fix things, that they are making food safer than they were um, in July or June or, you know, whenever the first outbreak happened. I don't think that, that things have really changed. I just I still think that it takes two or three things to go wrong and, and just by just on average. They, okay. They so, so you, yeah. So, yeah. so what you're to, to, to clarify what you're saying is zero outbreaks, but just by random fluctuation, just like, just like they had right. a really bad year this year, you think that the odds are that next year they're this coming this 2016, they're just, they're not going to have a bad year just because most years are not bad years. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That you, you articulated it well the, as I ranted. <laughs> So, so Ben, there, there, there's been there's been some interesting um, um, speculation oh, amazing ab- about about what is actually causing this outbreak, um, and there are some people out there uh, that think that these Chipotle outbreaks are not uh, quote random chance. They are, in fact, the result of the biotech industry unleashing bioterrorism attacks against the only fast food company that has publicly denounced GMOs. What do you think of that, Ben? I think that's uh, conspiratorial, Don. Which huh. is, yeah, I was going to say wackadoodle. Well, I, whack, whack, I don't want to make judgment on, uh, the, <laughs> on it just for fear of retribution. Okay. Um, but it, it, that seems really crazy. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it does. It just seems like, wow. Um, but there was a really nice, um, uh, nice article on that uh, that was published by Natural News that uh, from this guy Mike Adams, mm-hmm. who seems like an amazing dude, um, who who really went into a whole bunch of different um, you know examples. It's starting with Doctor Oz, uh, who who was um, according to um, to Mike Adams uh, really attacked for his. Um, Attacked in a defamation campaign mm-hmm. because he had called out GMO labeling. Um, yeah, I just I don't I don't think so. I no. Don't. Well, and well, we it should, seems we like should... not the best way to do it, right? Like, <laughs> it, <You> think? <laughs> yeah, it just seems like that would not I don't know not work. But may, who knows? Maybe maybe I can be convinced otherwise. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is this is a great. I mean, this is worth going to this website. Uh, if for no other reason, like I'm like, I, we have, we have, I don't know, we, have we talked about, um, ad blockers and, uh, trackers and stuff like that at all? No, um, no. There, so there's a, there's a very cool app, uh, which you should get called ghostery mm. and ghostery basically is, um, it, it basically ad blocks ads, um, and or trackers. And if you go, uh, to, uh, the natural news website, um, it is a veritable uh, smorgasbord of trackers, and Ghostery reports 20 different uh, trackers, uh, um, some of which I have blocked uh, here, uh, basically you know, t- telling me all the stuff that, that this website is trying to, to tell me about. And then you know, there's a lot of really interesting uh, sponsored content, um, you know, like uh, lose 20 pounds in four weeks with this shocking secret. Um, one odd method restores perfect vision. Um, you know, so that gives you a sense of the kind of the caliber of the reporting on this website. Um, yeah, anyway, it's a little, uh, it's a little, it's a little interesting. There's uh, a lot to of to say the there. least. 
Yeah. And, we, and we should also not refer to him as Mike Adams, but actually as he wants to be known on the internet, the Health Ranger. The Health Ranger. The Is that an official? Is, a, is he from Texas? Is he a Texas <laughs> Health Ranger? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. I, well, okay. Well, we'll talk about the Health Ranger then. Yeah, I I don't know. I just – it doesn't it seem like there would be easier ways to go after Chipotle than than try to like create – a norovirus outbreak in Boston and then another outbreak in, um, you know, so this, this supplier linked O two six outbreak or two of them or whatever. Like it just, that seems like a lot of work, right? Yes. Yes. It, it, it seems like a lot. And then you've got to go around and you've got to spread it to different stores unless maybe somebody is contaminating the produce. But then if that's the case, then why, you know, how is that different than, yeah. I mean, it seems like he's hanging, he's hanging this intentional attack based on sort of two, two pillars. One, well, it's the bio, it's the GMO industry striking back. Okay. So I, I get that. And then the other one is these are odd organisms. These are unusual organisms. Right. Therefore, um, they, they didn't come from nature or whatever, but yeah, it's, um, anyway, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting read. Let's just say that. Um, yeah. and, and I think, uh, unfounded in, in any real fact. I, I, someone, had a good headline that I tweeted at Betteridge's Law about it. Mm. Is you know is uh, bioterrorism to blame for Chipotle's outbreaks? Uh, that would be no, no, no. It's not. It's not. Um. So here's let, let's talk a little bit about the other um you know stuff that's happened since the last time we talked. To, mm-hmm. Um, the uh, norovirus outbreak that was linked to the Boston. Um, uh, outlet. Yeah. Um, and we, you and I talked about, um, how Chipotle provides, at least in, in theory, corporate supported, uh, employee health, um, paid sickness, mm-hmm. paid, whatever, not paid sick leave. Yep. Paid sick leave is what I'm trying to say. Um, and, and that there's, you know, potentially a breakdown is, is it that, you know, it's there, but people are urged not to take it. Um, someone commented, so I, I posted something um, about uh, about that outbreak. And so Chipotle went, went ahead and um, sort of made, I don't know, of a big deal about it, but they did let the press know that they had fired both the individual who worked while ill plus the manager um, who was overseeing uh, the, the site. And so we had um, – well, let me go to my uh, – we, we had a little bit – like I had a comment on, on that um, uh, issue and it was really about that although Chipotle says that they have an employee health uh, paid sickness leave thing, um, they're still responsible. Uh, the individual is still responsible to go find someone to work for them. So, oh, okay. So it's not like you just take a, the day off and get get paid. It, there is some additional work that that person has to do um, to get their their shift covered, basically. Right. That's that's what I understand. I guess uh, from the from the comment. I don't know if it's um, if it's real, but this is from uh, someone named Doug uh, who made the comment. The employee should file a wrongful termination suit against the company. Company requires sick employees to work unless they personally find a replacement. So if the employee didn't work. Um, they would have been fired anyways. People need to to learn to, uh, oh learn the truth about uh, Chipotle. So 
I don't know. I don't know what you know. I haven't verified that mainly because we haven't. You know, we, we've invited the Chipotle folks on the podcast. I mean, by broadcasting something that we haven't actually posted yet. Um, I'd love to hear from them. I don't know if it's real or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, if, if that if that comment is is true, but if that if that is the case, that could be one way to sort of undermine this policy. Um, Marler, Bill Marler, who we've had on the podcast and we we talked about a bunch. Um, didn't you know sort of he wrote a little bit that he didn't agree that the employee and the manager should be fired and that that other people should take responsibility for it and i you know i kind of disagreed with him um a little bit and i emailed uh, to him we had a little conversation about it mm. um off the internet or mm-hmm. offline and and i kind of i i think that this is i mean in a place that has a good positive food safety culture where you have a value system this is one of the ways that you can um, demonstrate the values. Now, it it should have been done before an outbreak happened, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's that that's the the trick here. But knowing or seeing that someone showed up to work ill, someone facilitated that. Those people you don't want as part of your your organization uh, anymore, unless they can change that um, that value system. And so I've kind of like actually think that that is the the right course of action in in, in a organizational behavior. Uh, standpoint where where he kind of said, no, nah, they we shouldn't fire the employees. They were just being told what to do. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's a it, it's a catch twenty two situation here. So. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's not. <clears throat> I mean, I think. Well, and we don't have all the we don't have all the information, right? I mean, certainly on the face of it, firing the employee and firing the manager sends a message, but. Is there is there a way you can also craft a better policy? Um, and I don't know. I mean, you know, fast food is hard, right? The margins are small. The, these it, it is it's hard to make uh, make money. I think uh, in in operations like that, I would think it's it's hard to make money. And so, uh, I mean, it sort of I can sort of understand why they would have a policy that says yes, we don't want you to work, um, but you have to find somebody to cover your shift because that to, it's, to me that does seem to be a big a big problem with this kind of work, right? Is you're hiring people that are high school students or college students, and you know they're not the most reliable people in the world. Yeah, exactly. And and there's um, tons of turnover. We've we've talked about that in the in, in the podcast before, where you have uh, trying to find. Um, consistent uh, consistent staff is, is is a problem, but if you're faced with and again we don't know all the circumstances, so we're leaping a little bit here. But if you're faced with a situation where someone sort of knowingly um, didn't you know subverted the value system or t- told somebody, look, I need you to come in into work, that's a managerial issue. Or if someone said. Um, I'm going to show up because I'm, you know, regardless, because I don't, I don't value this or whatever it is, then that's an employee issue. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I just, I feel like that it, 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 if they had other examples of um, firing or letting go or moving or disciplining uh, people who were also not following these employee health issues or employee health policies, Outside of this specific outbreak, that would help make their case that says, yeah, look, we, we really value this stuff. And this is what we've done also in the past. We had these four incidents and, and people weren't, you know, we, we knew that they were showing up to work ill and they didn't make someone sick, but, just, but we still wanted them not to be part of our, our organization. But they're in this weird spot of how do we find people to work here in that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was – I, I – 
it was one you know one thing of a like I agreed with with, with this this is without knowing all the the particulars um having someone work show up to work while ill is not someone who I want working in my restaurants right yeah. right bottom line um yeah. and the other thing too that I, I shared with with you and and with Doug is we do have a, a little bit of an interesting perspective here in that there is a student um, that's worked in my lab that also works part time in chipotle and 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 I just recently learned this um, and and he's been so he's been sharing his insights and and he just he shared uh, over the Christmas break he sa- he shared uh, the following which I'll, which I'll now share with all of you um, I've worked a few shifts at Chipotle this week, and I thought you might be interested in some of their new regulations. Um, and, of course, he's confusing regulations with guidelines or policy, but that's fine. I mean, he's, he, he's an undergrad, so he doesn't right, understand right, the right good. buzzwords, but that's fine. It's, he, he, you, get, you get the idea. Um, he says that they now have an audit book, which they take the temperatures of all the uh, holding foods, which they should have been doing already. That's his editorializing, and he's right. They should have been doing that already. Um, and they try to make sure all the grill people temp all the food when it comes off. They also make everyone wash their hands every half hour and try to emphasize cleaning more. Uh, he says there have been there have been changes, but nothing crazy. And then this is, I think, the telling the telling point. Depending on the manager, you can still get away with not doing certain things. There was one day when no one told us to wash our hands or tempt the food. So, so obviously, you know, um, you know, and one of the things too that that is to kind of bring it back to managers, and this relates to Conference for Food Protection as well, is this concept, which I heard, first heard about through the Conference for Food Protection, called active managerial control, right? And that is that does seem to be, um, from based on analysis of data and just sort of common sense, having a manager who cares and who wants to do the right thing seems to be a very important predictor, which, which again, goes back to was Chipotle right to fire this, this manager? Because, I mean, clearly you can see from, from this, this student's email that, having, that, that things get done if the manager wants them to get done, right? And, and, and so ultimately, yes, it's important that you have good employees that want to do the right thing, but a big part of that is having a manager to set the right example and to then to follow up and make sure that his employees do do the right thing, right? Right, exactly. And, and it's about sort of running – Running things like like a system and making sure that that everyone there kind of knows what they're you know what they're supposed to do pro proactively and yeah it's this is this whole thing and I I wrote about this a little bit I hope that this becomes something that we learn from that other competitors other folks in the industry um, sort of take notice of that this is. I don't. I don't know how to, like, how to connect with the the real decision makers, the CEOs and the COOs and the CFOs, all these people that that really um, pull the strings of where money goes and where resources go. But this and the Bluebell um, example are two really key food safety case studies that that um, show supplier show active managerial control if we look at bluebell it's about cleaning and sanitizing and risk management decisions uh, around you know, environmental um testing and, and and a whole bunch of different things that that if i was i mean if i was running a food company i would want to know this stuff so i wouldn't make 
similar or I could learn from it. I, I'm not, you know, it's not to say that there are missteps, but it would be like, these are things that should be on my radar to, to avoid. And, and I don't know, I guess I'm, I wrote about being kind of cynical about this because I don't know if it does. Like, I don't know. I mean, you and I can talk about this and in the folks that, um, that listen to the podcast or read the, the blog, they're already looking for this stuff, right? Like they're already in our system. How do you, show these case studies to people that that are not in the food safety world and then say, here are the things that you need to learn from because these are some notable experiences and here's what happened and then shares dropped 30%. And, you know, the, uh, the, the, the other piece of information that I wanted to talk about today was um, the Department of Justice apparently started to investigate Bluebell executives for criminal um, you know, on a, a, a criminal investigation um, related to, to that outbreak. So it's like all the stuff that we talk about and you're like, yeah, it's really important. It's really important. But I don't, you know, it's those money and criminal things that really start to pay, uh, you know, get people's attention in the decision maker side of things. But all the changes, this the, the concept that you just talked about with active managerial control and all the other stuff, those are operational things that that those executives have to be able to support and and be advocates from I for I guess not from for so I don't I don't know I'm just I'm I'm like I feel like we can talk in circles about it but there's going to be another a, a bunch more chipotles and a bunch more bluebells that happen in the next ten years that that are similar lessons just that that haven't been learned and these things are like should be CEO of a food company 101 read about these two outbreaks, figure out how to not have this happen in your company. Yeah. And, and I think this, this whole idea of, of case studies or of, of ways to, to get that information out to the people that matter is really important. Right. And, yeah. and we, and we talked about before, like, okay, so, you know, one of my favorite things to do is when there's an outbreak is figure out, is there anybody from those, com- those companies that are, let's say members of our professional society, right? The International Association for Food Protection. And, and so are, are they right? Because that would be a pretty good indicator that they're plugged into, um, what's going on. And, and in many cases they just simply are not, um, which, which again would indicate that they don't have a commitment to food safety or they don't even know how to go about getting a commitment or, you know, they, they don't know, they they don't know. They don't even know what they need to do to get better, right? So they, they, they maybe they know that there's a problem, but they don't even know how, how they would go about that. Um, and certainly, getting involved, understanding the research, I- interacting with people in the food safety community would be a really good way to start, right? Like, we, there's you know, there's 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 a lot of good information out there, right? It's not like this stuff is not known. Um, you just have to go out and and seek it out. Yeah, exactly, and. I don't know. I'm just discouraged, Don. Mm-hmm. The more we talk about it, because there's a lot of good stuff out there that we that we know about that that, and it's not just in in our sources. I mean, there's tons of stuff that that we've seen outbreak after outbreak and investigation after investigation. And it's, um, you know, we talked about this on the last podcast. It, it was very, it's very apparent that um, Steve Ells, the CEO CEO of Chipotle, just doesn't know how outbreak investigations work. And and you think that they that they would and maybe that's a an incorrect assumption because they know how to run um other things that are not outbreak related maybe you got yourself you know surround yourself with good with good people that know how these investigations actually happen but you should have 
some you know should be prepared or have some sense of how this all goes down and just by mentioning oh yeah cdc's singling us out just shows the um the lack of knowledge about how how this world works and it's really one of the things that brings you down like i mean they they may not recover from this i mean i'm I'm sure that i don't know how much they have in stocks and stock options but losing 25 percent of your investment over a month-long period is not not a good you know not a good way to make money. Really, <laughs> I, I know that much. Oh, it's good. I know, I know that much. I just I don't know what are they what like. So let me let me tell you something that um, that I've thought about over our you know, reflective time at the end of the year and the start of the year. Um, would you you know if, if Chipotle came to came to you came to you and I. Mm-hmm. And said, "Hey, we're gonna we we'd like to hire you guys for a year to fix what we do. You okay, know, to, to you, we'll give you. And this is like totally like free reign. Um, you know, we we give you all the resources you need, or you know, which mm-hmm. is not realistic. But we'll give mm-hmm. you we'll give you a budget. We we really need to move our company fifteen to twenty years in, into the future." Would you do it? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. I mean, well, so first of all, I have a job. I mean, right, nom- right. nominally. So I would have to get clearance from, um, uh, you know, people at Rutgers to go to a sabbatical. But, but yeah, absolutely I would. But, but I, but, but I mean, it would start with, or maybe it would start with, well, I don't know, but give me a month, right? Give me a yeah. month to walk around. Give me a month to poke my nose into everything that I can, right? Like, let me give me a month to really do my research to see how badly broken you are, yeah, right. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, sure. Then, then uh, let's let's talk. But yeah, I mean, potentially, sure. I, I would be, I would be interested. Right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. I would be. I potentially, I would be interested. And you got this. This like, I mean, it, it seems like it couldn't get worse for them. Right, right, <laughs> like, like, right. It would be hard to get worse. I think. I mean, maybe even another outbreak in 2016 would make it worse. But, but yeah, right. it's uh, you know. I know you're not uh, in the sports ball sports ball world and following the the uh, sports franchises like like I am. But it's it's almost like the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, my my favorite uh, all time. Uh, embattled uh, franchise of the uh, oh are, are, are they oh I was going to say are they are they in this the the Super Bowl game coming up they're they're not they, oh, okay. they'll be playing they got the uh, the little round disc um, oh that's flag. right that's right that's the uh, the cup the cup uh, the the uh... Jeffrey's cup <laughs> <laughs> I think you I think you think of someone's jock um, I'm not, so but if they, but you know it's a Stan Lee cup it's a comic book thing it right? is it's, yeah it's, it's a Marvel cup it's the Marvel Marvel Universe cup. Um, so, but you know, I, I see where where they can entice people to go to a system and say, "Look, we we're gonna we really want to be the best. We want to we want to fix this." And and you know, our we you and I have followed this this story a little bit. Um, there's a, a company that that we you know kind of know some some folks there, IEH. That it sounds like they've gone to IEH and said, "Here, tell us how to fix this." Or or work with us uh, on, on it, and and it you know it it there that's a microbiological question. I feel like there's so much larger questions around the culture and the employee values and the training and the systems and you know di- different things uh, around it that 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be a very interesting challenge. And if you and here's the here's the thing, right? Like if you did it, so say you did it. Say you you, you got a month, you go around and look at it and say, you know what? There's I see some I'm learning enough about the company to say there's something here that I think I could turn it around or I could help help move it um, uh, in, in a positive food safety direction. If you were able to to make that happen and really change things and provided information on it, then that's a, you know, a massive win from, for the company standpoint, but also for, you know, for the individual who's going in there, the, the downside, the risk is, yeah, you can't. And there's four more outbreaks that happen in the next couple of years, but you, you take the challenge and it's like, well, man, it's maybe, maybe there's, you know, maybe I'm not the right person or whatever. I don't know. Well, and the other thing too is, I mean, it's great that they've hired IEH. I think that testing, um, you know, as much as testing gets a bad rap in the modern world of HACCP and preventive controls, I think that we can learn a lot from testing. And I think, you know, IEH is, you know, they're controversial because their testing, they, their testing methodology is secret, but, but they do have a good track record of going out there and doing these kinds of things. The problem is all the testing in the world is not going to stop another norovirus outbreak, right? right? Or, or at least where, where the cause of the out- – and, 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 and all the testing in the world is not going to stop an infected food handler in your restaurant, right, who's shedding salmonella, who's shedding norovirus. And by virtue of the way that you've engineered your system – that person is spreading contamination through the facility and then again may or may not work depending upon what your policies are blah 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 right i mean i think that 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 with the exception of the norovirus outbreaks all of the multi-state outbreaks linked to chipotle those could be those those could be those are supply chain issues and, and testing could impact those but but the single restaurant norovirus outbreaks um, you know the, no no testing is going to fix that because the testing doesn't occur at the restaurant level right it occurs in the in the chain or cross contamination, right? I mean, yeah, right. Or um, uh, improper cooking temperatures or holding temperatures, like you mentioned about the the student that's in in your lab on on logs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's those are yeah, those aren't testing issues, right? Um, testing testing helps, and that's I mean, that's why this is uh, that's what makes Chipotle's 2015 notable is that there's so many issues, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's also. Uh, you know that's the that's that's the hard part is that there are so many so many issues that that can go that can go wrong and and for the most part they don't or at least they're not caught right like that's i mean that that's you we that that's the 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 food safety conundrum um yeah i don't know it's an it's it's an interesting it's an interesting problem and it would be um i think it would be a cool a cool challenge but it's got to, it would have to come with a whole bunch of different terms. Like, okay, I'm going to come in here and, and I know you really want to fix this, but, but you've got to give me the, the ability to go ahead and fix it. It'd be interesting for, you know, what we should do is reach out to, um, to someone like, like Dave Thino, who I don't know. I mean, I've seen him before, but to hear about the Jack in the box experience from his standpoint, I know it was, um, uh, the, the uh, poison, the book that, um, the uh, Marler that sort of details the the Marler uh, side of things uh, and those outbreaks has some information about you know um, Dave going into to Jack in the Box, but it'd be interesting to hear about the uh, the stipulations of okay, here are the things like I need a clean sl- clean slate. Here are the things I'm going to tell you to do. You got to throw all the money at it, uh, and and that corporate dealing with um, a uh, 
decision makers uh, conversation. I think that would be really interesting to have that to to find out some past experiences. And I only picked Dave Thino because it's you know one of the the outbreaks that that gets thrown around a lot. There are tons of different. Um, companies and experiences that we could look at. It would be very cool to sort of compile uh, uh, conversations with with these individuals and say, okay, so what did you do? How did it How did it work? How did you convince the the decision makers that they needed to to really change what they did, or were they already convinced um, based on, on you know on on the crisis that they were going through? Well, and you know, one of the things that uh, that Dave did, or one of the I don't know if it was when he first came in, but I'm just you know doing a little googling around Dave Thino and Jack in the Box, and at the time he retired from Jack in the Box, he was a senior vice president and the, the chief food safety officer. So yeah. that's something real important right there. You know, what, has, how about how about that? Chipotle, how about you hire a chief food safety officer? Yeah. Right? And, I mean, yeah. put, and make him a senior vice president level person to sit with all the other senior vice presidents and maybe teach him a little bit about how CDC works Man, <laughs> to I start wonder, with. So this is, I mean, outside of what you and I do, but it would be interesting. I'd love to read the paper about what what corporate structures look like. How many, how many of these food companies that uh, of varying sizes have uh, a chief food safety officer? Mm-hmm. Like zero? I mean, do you know any other chief food safety officers? Well, I want to say Mike Robach from Cargill. Um, so let's see. Uh, so Mike Bobby is a, has one. Uh, Mike is VP and the corporate food safety and regulatory uh, VP of corporate food safety and regulatory affairs. So yeah, he's not a chief food safety officer, but he's a, but he's a VP. Here's so. here's one. Here's mm-hmm. a uh, chief food safety officer at Vantage Foods mm-hmm. that exists. Uh, Senior Vice President of Operations, Chief Food Safety Officer at Maple Leaf Foods, Randall Huffman. Mm -hmm. You know that guy? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going through LinkedIn Mm because that's where all things uh, Chief Food Safety Officer would look at. Mm -hmm. Uh, Someone named uh, the the Chief Food Safety Officer at Stu's Leonard. I don't know Mm -hmm. what that is. That's a grocery store. Okay, good. Um, Chief Food Safety Officer, uh, VP Brand Protection. And quality regulatory compliance at uh, Denny's Corporation, a guy okay. named Mike Starnes. Mm-hmm. So they exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I just think it would be intra- it would be useful again for these case studies for someone who's running a food safety uh, a corporation to know that that other corporations are set up this way, and here's how they manage it. Here's how they here's how they do stuff. Right. They're, Interesting. Thanks. This is we went down a different, a little different path on this today. I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, cookies, crackers. Would you like some? Yeah, I got some from a vending. I got some from a vending vending machine. machine. Awesome. Hey, I just wanted to talk about just to come back to one of our favorite um, topics and that is near and dear to one of our good friends, uh, hearts, uh, uh, Linda, uh, Harris, as well as Michelle Danilock, as well as another good friend who we don't talk about on the podcast a whole lot, but Larry Beauchat. I, I figured you were going right there. Yep. Yeah. There's a good, there's this cool paper that, that Larry, um, wrote that I, that I wrote about, um, in barf blog about, um, uh, salmonella in, uh, products like peanut butter type products that were in um, uh, crackers and um, uh, cookie and cracker sandwiches. And he, Larry found there's a really great picture that I put on the blog mm-hmm. of Larry in this like front light lit 
lab that looks like maybe like all the lights are off except for one big spotlight on Larry's face as he's yep. holding up a, a plate, looking um, looking at microorganisms, which look, by the way are microscopic. Yeah, but he's looking. <laughs> but well, he's, he's got to, you got to hold it away. You know, if you're nearsighted, yeah. got to get him clo- close. Get if the you're right far-sighted, fo- focal length. Yeah, yeah, good, right, right length. Anyway, um, found some cool stuff in this paper that was published uh, um, in Journal of Food Protection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about uh, salmonella surviving for 182 days in fillings. And so the reason why I'm asking this is I got a call from um, Yahoo News, Cor- uh, mm-hmm. Corinne Miller, who mm-hmm. who calls every once in a while about food safety stuff. And her first question was, are you surprised? And uh, what, 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 what do you think I told her? This no. No, I would say no, you're not surprised. Not at all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm not. No, no disrespect. Larry, who doesn't listen, um, uh, why would we even need this research? I mean, I, obviously, it's more data and it's useful. And the kind of research that, that Larry does and the data he collects is incredibly useful for people like me that do, that do risk assessment and risk modeling. Um, but no, not, not surprised at all. And, and that's, that's what I told her. And so she asked, well, why, why is this notable? Why is it important? And I guess for me, and maybe this is why, why, Larry, um, why Larry did it as well, is we, we know that Salmonella is going to survive for a long, long time in low water activity. And we know that because Larry did a lot of that work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but back in the 70s, he did a lot the, of yeah, that work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what we don't know is what it looks like in these protected type of sandwiches. And is it any different? Is it Does it matter when it's just open? Is it, does it matter? And it sounds like it, it matters a little bit. It's a little differently. Um, but does it... So the other question that that Karen asked me was, "What can consumers do?" And I said, "Nothing." Yeah, not much. She said, "Should kids not eat these things?" And I said, "No, no I don't think it matters. I mean, no. we just know this is confirming stuff that is not um, that that was there as as uh, as sort of common thought in in the food safety world, but it doesn't make crackers or sandwiches, these types of treats um, or snacks, any." Um, safer or less safe than they were before the paper was published. Yep. yep. Um, but, it, but, but good, like got a lot of run over the holidays. Yeah. It, it was kind of everywhere, uh, on this. Um, yeah, I, I, that's one thing it's like, I mean, you know, again, Larry's published like hundreds of papers and I don't understand why this one got the play that it did. We'll never know, Don. Yeah. Like, and it, it's funny. It's like, um, what the, what the media picks up on and focuses in low new no low or to little news news cycle times mm-hmm. um, is like hey let's let's talk about crackers yeah. right like it, 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 interesting but yeah still this um, there was a press release that came out before Christmas and I did the interview this morning and it's January 4th. People are still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's good. It's good data. And you know, it's, it, it points the way towards, towards future research. I mean, are there formulations, you know, what do we know about the effect of various formulation components? And, you know, again, there's some good, there's some good data here. Um, it's related to some work that I've been doing with another, uh, retired person, now retired person from university of Georgia, Joe Frank has been doing some work on salmonella survival in powders um, and, and looking at the effect of components uh, and, and trying to develop some mathematical models of those. Uh, and again, that, that is, again, this is, you know, and then also specifically looking at heat as a, you know, if you, if you, so if these organisms are more heat resistant 
when they're in this low water activity state, but are there reconditioning steps that we can do where we take these powders and we take them to relatively high temperatures for long periods of time to perhaps recondition a batch of, uh, of an ingredient that you might use to make one of these cookies to get rid of the salmonella or to, to take the numbers, you know, significant reductions in the, in the numbers. So, um, you know, th- this is, this is a good, this is a good area of research. We need to keep doing this research. Um, I would say it needs to be used in modeling and risk assessment to help people in the industry manage this. I can, and I can tell you too, with, with FISMA coming and the FISMA here and the preventive controls rule uh, here and, and rolling out, uh, people are needing to validate their processes. And, and this just shows that, guess what? If you do get survival in these baked products, um, the, it, uh, the, the, they, if they survive the cooking process, they're also going to survive uh, the sh- on, on the shelf. And so you need to understand that and consider that as part of your uh, management uh, process for managing the risk of these of these products. And, and this is this is good data that's going to help us do that yeah and that's that's where i saw it's it's useful and and again it comes back to the theme of how do we convince the ceos or cfos or chief food safety officers that this stuff's important it's it's that you know if if this salmonella gets into your product and you buy it from someone you know this this paste or cheese filling or whatever it is with the water activity once it's there you can't do anything about it Mm -hmm. you better have really good supplier verification processes and good standards and you got to make sure that they're implemented right and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff it's like here's the paper that says you know what if we leave it out there for 30 days it's not going to die off it's going to sit on uh, you know yep. the shelf life of this product it's going to be there for a long long time yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and we have seen with these kinds of these long shelf life, low water activity products, we see outbreaks that go on and on and on. We've seen that with peanut butter and it, no surprise we would see it with products uh, like this as well. The good, the good news is in those situations is unlike with fresh produce, uh, we, a recall might actually have the ability to solve the problem, right? With the right. problem with fresh produce is by the time you learn there's an outbreak, that produce is spoiled or eaten or, or whatever, right? Uh, rotten. Um, but with these kind of products, uh, a recall does have the ability to actually impact public health because you, you, that, the, the organism will survive for a long period of time. And so if you learn soon enough, you can do a recall and actually mitigate, uh, mitigate the effects uh, much more so than with highly perishable products. Yeah, it's um, – that, that concept, I don't know if it's um, – if, if you find it like – we, I think we constantly have to remind people of that. Like even those in that in that industry, that it's not just acute spot outbreaks of a short amount of time. It's that these little blips over a long period of time. And the frozen products are the same way. With looking at the um, bluebell bluebell outbreak, is you have this historical issue that just doesn't look like an outbreak because it fits underneath the baseline expected illnesses of of salmonella in a specific jurisdiction and it's spread all over the country but but the i you know i I think that especially with the low moisture foods the whole genome sequencing is this game changer right like it it just makes it so all of these things that look like they were just blips aren't really blips anymore right they're now discrete discrete outbreaks right absolutely yep so And yeah. and again, you know, and and props to again not to to complete now I'm, after this comment I'll be ready to leave this paper. So this is a great first of all it's a great paper everybody should read it. It's got a lot of good references in it. But but again the other thing too is that Larry is really a master at uh, data presentation and these are 
examples of, of how everybody should be doing figures with detection limits indicated and uh, the way that he indicates positive or negative by enrichment. I mean, this is really, you know, we could people we could do a lot worse than if everybody that was publishing this kind of data would would presented in the way that Larry does, because it's, it's really very, very useful for, again, for people like me that, that need to do risk modeling on this, to have, to have this level of detail and this, this, the care that was, that was put into presenting this. So anyway. Yeah. And I'll, I'll echo that with the way that the text is written. Like mm. is, as I was reviewing this, when I, when I went to, to write about it, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, just and again, this is credit to, to Larry. If you look at the way that that he talks about um, his conclusions and what this what this means, it's really like really nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's very clear. It doesn't overstep things. It's, mm-hmm. it's the the him and I'll tell you someone someone else who um, who writes good papers who is not you know the present company excluded. Um, there's a paper that, that Kathy Cutter and Josh Scheinberg wrote a couple of years ago on um, Campylobacter in turkeys from farmers markets and retail. Oh yeah, I was so, just looking at that paper actually. Yeah, it is. Like, I I send it to all my students. Um, anybody who's new that starts that's working on a paper, I send them that as this is a fantastic model of a really cleanly set up experiment that looks like any you. Know, it's a it's a microbiological survey, but in the world that I work in, with other types of surveys or qualitative data, it, you can set it up. You know, just substitute the way the the data. It doesn't really matter where they collected it from. It's just a very it's a great it's a great paper. It's a great setup paper. Doesn't uh, overstate um, conclusions. It's very clear. Uh, it's it's well written, and it's not. I think the hardest thing you look at um, this paper. It's not and, – and that one as well. There's a lot of work that went into this and it's not long, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not overwritten. They're, they do a good job. There's only – yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. And, you know, and the reason why I was looking at this – and I, this is this – is, so this is – you would like this. So this was I, – I was, I was – one of the things that we talk about on the podcast that's – Probably that I talk about more than I should is papers that I'm reviewing or papers yes. that I have reviewed. And I found this paper um, because of another paper that I was reviewing where basically it was from people that were not food safety microbiologists um, that were public health people. And they they had done a survey of these direct market um, poultry operations, and they had basically asked people in those operations about what they did about food safety. But it was full of a lot of like like we do as a small operator, we do this to control food safety, and therefore our food is safer. And and I spent a lot of the time in my review calling them out for confusing practices and beliefs with what would actually make a difference in terms of food safety. And, and again, and, and there's very little research on this in Kathy's paper uh, published in, in journal food safety. And we'll link to the, we'll link to the page on this um, is one of the very few that, that does. And so there's a lot of these, a lot of these small operations really, you know, think that they have something special because it's, you know, the, the, right. the care that they take and it's like, well, yeah, but look at, look at her paper and you'll see that and it doesn't, necessarily mean that if you're a, a farmer's market or you're selling to a farmer's market, it doesn't necessarily mean that your product is safer than what you would buy in a supermarket. Yes, exa- exactly. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you came across that. It's good. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I, that, it's it's an interesting coincidence that I just just literally within the last couple of weeks uh, found you know found and, and and read this this paper from from Kathy's lab. Look at us, look at us reading the same things. How about that? How about that? Um, what else, what else you got for me, Don? Well, um, the only other thing that I had um, was um, that um, apparently um, scientists should engage with the public! Exclamation uh, mark. Uh, they should. This is uh, this is an article from MBio. Uh, it is a um, editorial in MBio, and I uh, f- would have probably seen it anyway. But I specifically saw it because uh, Doug linked to it. I think mostly Doug linked to it on Barf Blog just to call them out for using an exclamation mark, which, yes. which Doug does not like. Um, and this is from um, a bunch of bunch of people. But the, the corresponding author is Vincent uh, Racaniello at Columbia, and and Vincent, we've talked about him before on the podcast. He's part of a group of people that publish uh, that 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 do a, a, a podcast on on microbiology uh, through through ASM. And I'll just read to you from the abstract, and then I'd like to get your your thoughts on this. So, in in the abstract, uh, they, the authors write: uh, scientists must communicate about science with public audiences to promote an understanding of complex issues that we face in our technologically advanced society. Uh, Some scientists may be concerned about a social stigma or Sagan effect, that's referencing Carl Sagan, associated with participating in public communication. Recent research in social sciences indicates that public communication by scientists is not a niche activity, but is widely done and can be beneficial to a scientist's career. There are a variety of approaches that scientists can take to become more active in science communications. And I guess my my reaction, and we'll get yours in a minute, but my reaction is, duh, I mean, yes, this is what I've been doing my whole career. It's not, I never, th- and yeah. again, all due respect to Vincent, um, I never thought about writing a, a uh, paper on a, uh, an editorial about it. But again, we, we're not, I mean, we, I mean, we're food microbiologists or we work in the food safety area. Um, whereas this, this is written from the perspective of, of pure microbiology or basic science. But I, yeah, I've like, of course. I mean, and we're an extension, right? This is what we do. We in, we engage with the audience about science. I mean, how how could you not do that, right? I mean, but but again, maybe from the perspective of scientists that don't work in colleges of agriculture or 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 related organizations and who don't um, uh, who don't do this kind of thing for a living, i.e., extension people, maybe this does come as news. But it it you know it's I mean yeah I mean I uh, I, I don't know I don't I don't uh, uh, I, I guess, I guess, I, yeah, we could criticize them for using an exclamation mark, but um, other than that, uh, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, of course, we should, well, we should do this, we should communicate. But, but anyway, yeah. It, it, so my, I guess my, yes, we should communicate. We shouldn't communicate so people trust science. <laughs> okay, right. why should why should we communicate then, Ben? Because because at least for for you and I, because the public pays our salary. Uh, okay. So we should communicate with the public because it's our job. It's our job. It's not, it's not because we, because there's, um, because science, the, the trust and credibility in science is being eroded. And I just like, uh, uh, this is a, it's a time and space kind of situation mm-hmm. with me, just like how people, you know, we don't, you and I don't understand kids music. This <laughs> conversation about, um, people don't trust science has been something that scientists have struggled with over the last, since science existed, right? <laughs> like that, that it's you know, like Galileo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like since the first, since someone discovered fire, um, it, this, but, but it's all of a sudden the most important thing to us right now 
and yeah, it's, I, I think that the science of communicating science is really interesting stuff and it's how we should do our job better. But com- being communicating science so people trust science is not, that's not the goal. The goal is so be, because, and you know, just to say it in another way, it's because that's what my job is. It's that someone in our state pays their tax dollars to make sure that I do what I, you know, to, to pay me to advance things forward. I better tell them what I'm doing. And I, I get, I am, I don't know, I get a little, um, I don't get judgy very often, but I do get judgy when, when I have colleagues that, that I talk to that say, oh, I don't, I don't want to talk to the media about this stuff. They get it wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, oh, that, yeah, it bugs me too. It just doesn't matter whether they got it wrong. Your job is to tell people what you did. And if they don't understand it, then you're being elitist and you're not doing a good job telling people what, what you did. Well, it's like a colleague once told me, well, I don't talk to the press anymore because I was misquoted once. It's like, well, that's going to happen. You know how you fix that is you, you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And then after that, you do it again. And, and, and again, it's a probability game. It's like, yes, you're going to be misquoted, but if you don't ever say anything, you'll never be misquoted, but you'll also never get the word out. You'll never communicate with people. And, and so that's okay. It's okay. You know, you're going to get misquoted that that happens, right? Get over it. It's like, well, it's like saying, I'm never going to submit another paper because I got a paper rejected, right? It's like, how, how that, right, that's right. no way. I, I'm never going to write another grant because that grant got rejected. It's like, yeah. well, what, well, get over it. Yeah, get, exactly. Get over it. And, and, and don't, and don't forget that if, you know, the, the job of science is to move things forward. And if you don't tell somebody about it, especially the people that are paying for it. And again, this, this is just, I think it's different in in a corporate situation or a private university, but for us in land grant systems, this is really what our role is. And if you it, going back in the history of it is how do we take technological advances to the people of the United States by putting land grant universities in places where technical advancements were needed to um, pull the country together? I mean, I'm I'm condensing the entire history of uh, of our you know our situation into into a line, but. We, you got to tell people about it, and if you and if you if you're not comfortable doing it, then you're not in the right spot. Like, I mean, that's this is just and and it doesn't matter whether it's students, whether it's the industry, whether it's um, the public. Communicating science and what you do, there's no point in doing the science if you can't tell people what it what it's about. Ah, I'm rant. I'm sorry for ranting. I'm no, sorry. it's good. That's good. That was a good rant. So yeah, yeah and, and just just looking through this article, there's no mention of cooperative extension at all that I that I can find. So yeah, oh well. oh well, we do what we do, right? And this is what I told just to to bring it back to my my hockey kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so bunch of seven and eight year olds playing hockey already. They're concerned, um, and, and I've been playing hockey for thirty plus years. I always think that that the referee is missing penalties. Or mm-hmm. missing something. I mean, you, that's just the nature. Something happened to you. You felt wrong. There's injustice. I tell them, you you got to control you. That's all you can control. So if people don't get it right, too bad. You just at least did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know it's the same thing with uh, uh, with you know the, with, if if the referee missed it, 
it doesn't matter. You can't control that. What, it, what about – does the shouting and cursing at the referee help? No. No, it doesn't. Really? Huh. It's not, okay. it, you, never, you never can never win that battle. How about, how about if you politely point out that he might have had an error in judgment? Does that ever work? Uh, sometimes in a, in a passive-aggressive way. Okay. Uh, I do like – in, <laughs> in, in a way that it works, it makes you feel better. Okay. Okay. And Got it. it. It will not change the outcome of the call, but it might change the outcome of the next call. Well, what about what about if you were wearing your glasses and you kind of gave looked over the tops of your glasses and gave them a very stern look? Does that work? It does. And, okay. Or, or if you just like shake your head, like <laughs> I just can't. I can't. Like and dumbfounded. Or what about if you like you put your hands up, like you know, like <laughs> yeah, really, I'm doing and, you know, yeah. <sighs> um, yeah, that's uh, that's what it always it always works, Don. It always okay. works. Good to know. Good to know. It's <laughs> uh, like it's well, like people that are bad drivers. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always someone else, not us. <laughs> we're we're above average drivers. Yeah, we're much we're much better drivers than than the regular people. Everyone else is in my way. Oh, <laughs> uh, communicating science. Let's just communicate it. Let's just do that. And, and then look, uh, you know, the, and again, I, I want to come back to this before we we jump off of this mm-hmm. is. We're all, you know, we're all scientists in in our world, right? There is a whole science of communicating science, and looking at how people do it and what works and what doesn't work and what we can learn from is no different than looking at these outbreak um, in investigations and learning from that. Um, just because we're scientists doesn't make us good communicators, and mm-hmm. knowing the science behind it can help. So it's so there's a whole field out there, and it's it it's one of the frustrations that I that I see in in education when it comes to food safety is like we just need better education, or if people would understand how come people don't do stuff, if we tell them to do it, blah blah blah. It's because you know there's a whole field of science on on that, on why that why certain way certain things work the way they do, and, and so we've got to we got to jump out. To, uh, 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 it's like websites, Don. Someone who I work with. Was talking about, and this is a while ago, so it's no no time space continuum issue. But a while ago, we were creating a website for a project, and someone came back and said, "Here are the fifteen things that are wrong with the website based on how I use websites." Like, yeah, you're one person. How about the audience? <laughs> let's look at the research on how people use websites, and let's try and hit the highlights about what works and what doesn't work. Let's not just look at how I, you know, how science gets communicated to me. Uh, you know what really bugs me about websites is sometimes the background colors the not the right color. That's true. I <laughs> what there was I once had a, somebody who works in in web design I think at the university um, they were tweaking the color of a website to match the one person like the administrative assistant of the person who ran the the, the center that the website was for and they kept tweaking the color. So that it looked right on this person's monitor, and this this person's monitor was way out of whack <laughs> with everybody else. Perfect. But but it looked good on that person's monitor. So, is it anyway? That's the background of a website be white. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just joking. If I design it, yes. But I've also been told that uh, the websites I design are very plain and boring uh, looking, and they need to be like you know zhuzhed up a little bit. Zhuzhed up? Zhuzhed up. Zhuzhed up. Okay, good. Bougied? Yes, bougied up. Okay, good, good, good. 
Oh uh, well, here we go. There's so it, what works. Um, what works for you is what we should be doing. That's why I just. Uh, that, that's exactly what I just said. Only use white. <laughs> oh Don, I think I'm I'm at the bottom of my of my Starbucks uh, um, quad venti uh, vanilla non fat latte. Whoa, that's a lot of latte. Oh, it was a lot of latte. It's a whole lot of latte. That was a Zeppelin song. It was from, it was from the uh, one of the summers that they spent in Seattle. I don't know if you know it was on. Uh, I uh, that was, must be in the yeah that must be it, in the lost years. It was yeah it's on uh, Led Zeppelin five. Okay, the the lost the lost album. Oh, Jimmy Page revealed why there was no Led Ze- why there was no Led Zeppelin five. It was Seattle and all that latte. It was all the latte. It was epi- I think you, we were thinking of episode five, uh, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Okay, I think we should go. I think I think, is... I think we've done, we've done enough. We've done enough communicating about science for today, Ben. Yeah, well, we should mark that down on our uh, um, promotion and tenure uh, sheet of uh, all of the science communication we did today. For um, you know, because because we want people to believe science. Yeah, yeah. I hear, I hear, I hear. You know what I hear, Ben, is that you have a podcast that you produce. <laughs> I do. Have you heard of it, Don? It's called Food Safety Talk. We should, I should have you on. <laughs> you should have me on sometime. Yeah, it's not it's not bad. I mean, I'm pretty good. The other guy, I don't know. Well, he should talk less. He should talk less. He should always talk less. Oh yeah, I had to write something and then I wrote it like it was just me. Yeah, it's, it's okay. not just me. It's okay. I'm not angry. No, not at all. Not at all. Not no, at all. You no. should tell the referee. <laughs> Gotta just look over my glasses. Yeah, <laughs> shake my hands. Just shake and just shake. look up to the sky. Like I've been wronged. I've been wronged here. <sighs> all right. Well. Um, I think that's it for uh, Food Safety Talk, uh, episode in the 90s, 90-something. Um, go to go to the, the iTunes, rate us. Um, tell us, Give us some feedback. Go to the website. Tell us what, what you want us to talk about, um, who you want to have on, uh, who you want us to have on even, uh, if you want to be on. Yeah. We've, we haven't had a listener on for a while. Um, and so we'd love to have people uh, come join us, talk about the things they want to talk about, or... You and I can just talk for for an hour and, and thirty nine minutes about all the fun stuff that we do, which is not. It's always nice to catch up with you, Don. It is. It has been. That is so. Like, I, I it might not seem genuine to our listeners, but it really is. I I look forward to our scheduled two hours of just catching up and talking about things every couple of weeks. It's, I'm reflecting on the year past mm. uh, in the new year, and I want to continue doing this. Um, I see no. I see no end to our podcast. I don't think we'll hit like 164 and be like, you know what, this is enough. We, but, we, might, we might stop posting them, yeah, but we're never going to stop recording them. And I'll not, I'll never stop listening to them and coming up with show titles. <laughs> oh, good, good to to chat, Don, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye, Ben. Bye, bye.
Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, if we set a goal to publish two for every one we record, the more, we'll we will inevitably catch up. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's possible. Um, it's cold here, Don. Oh, it's cold here too. It's below freezing here. It is. We. It was down in the twenties overnight, mm. and it's apparently. I just saw on the on the tweet on the tutor that uh, one of my one of my students tweeted two days ago. I was wearing shorts and t shirt outside. Today it snows on my way back to Raleigh. Hmm. Yeah. WTF, North Carolina. WTF. Yeah. It's a weird. It's been a weird. Uh... It's been a weird winter so far, and it's we're probably getting into the the part where it's going to be cold. I think so. Oh, so it feels like it. We we're it was so cold in D.C. yesterday mm. morning that I had to scrape my car, mm-hmm. which we don't we didn't have a scraper, so I had to use a metro <laughs> card. And I'm like that guy who scraped his car with the metro metro card. card. Mm. Yep. That worked. And my kids thought it was the greatest thing ever because <laughs> I showed them as I'm scraping. I'm like, it's the metro card we use in the metro. They love the metro, by the way. That was oh, actually, met, that Washington the metro is one of my favorite things about Washington. It, it's a great city to visit with the family. Mm-hmm. It is really good. We enjoyed it. We had a, they had a, they had an awesome time. We had an awesome time. It was really it was fun. We we did the the Smithsonian. Did uh, um, walked around. Ate at. Have you ever? Um, okay, there's this guy Spike Mendelson. Do you know him? No. He's he's a uh, um, uh, chef who was on Top Chef because we used to watch that show, and mm-hmm. I like that show a lot. He opened up a pizza place and a burger place called – pizza place is called We the Pizza, which is cool. And the burger place is called The Good Stuff Eatery, and they're right near Capitol Hill. They're on Capitol Hill, right near the Capitol Building. Mm-hmm. So we took the kids there and ate, like, pizza and burgers, and it blew their minds. It was so cool. I, yeah, and, and Danny – I'd eaten there a few times before, but I'd never taken her, and she – it was it was great. Best milkshakes we'd ever had. It was wor- yeah, worth it. When you're on – I don't know. With with us, like, we, we're in this, like, when we're traveling, our kids eat, you know, chicken nuggets and French fries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we had to, we have to, you know, I don't want to eat at Applebee's all the time. Not that yes. there's anything wrong with Applebee's. It's just, you know, it gets monotonous. Yes. So we, we had to go find a place that had really good chicken tenders <laughs> and really good French fries. Mm-hmm. Really right. Good. Exactly. If you're going to eat that stuff, get the best. Get the best. Get the best. So it was good. Um, cool. So that's it. Posting. You got anything, uh, any after hours, after, after dark? After hours stuff? No, no. I think uh, no. I'm, I'm just re- I'm I'm uh, recording from home today, but I'm not in my normal office. I'm in my downstairs, not in my downstairs office, but I'm downstairs. Um, hence the 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 dog noise. The dog is perfect. The dog is sleeping now, but um, yeah, because uh, we're still dealing with. So my son's moved in, and we're still dealing with cool. juggling around all of the upstairs. Uh, organizational stuff so that's my, that's my only update is i'm uh i'm i'm in an unusual situation but i do have uh, wired internet and i do have my my boom mic set up in an alternative location and uh right now i'm standing up because uh, my watch beeped at me uh, about five oh, minutes so ago and said time to stand up i stood up i stood up earlier i stood up during the podcast mm, good for you good for you i did i did not stand up during star wars uh i felt that would be inappropriate i did not stand up during star wars either i was in the nicest theater i've ever been in it was like recliners. Oh, oh so yeah. The theater near us now has recliners, and it really does make going to the movies way more civilized. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I took my shoes off. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't take my shoes off, but I felt like I should. All right, that's enough. Um, cool. Okay, so I'll talk to you uh, two weeks from today or two weeks from tomorrow. Sounds good. All right. Talk to you All later, right. Don. Bye, Ben. Bye.